Hey, Real Talk podcast listeners, we've got a lot of ground to cover in this episode from Donald Trump's gaffe in an interview over the weekend to Congresswoman Lauren Boebert vaping and groping in a Denver theater from that horrific E. coli outbreak at Alberta daycares to Columbus Blue Jackets coach Mike Babcock leaving the team before coaching a single game. You're going to get the informed common sense insights you need to make sense of what's going on around you. Let's go. This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Welcome to this episode of Real Talk. It's Jesperson and Hicks with you on this September 18th. I'm tempted as a you know one who can appreciate and oftentimes perpetuate the tradition of so-called dad humor of the cheesy jokes to 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 invoke as many space metaphors as possible to tell you that this episode of real talk is going to be out of this world that we're going to shoot for the stars that i suspect that our first interview i hope our first interview is a moonshot well we're really excited in, in just about one minute's time to connect with the first Canadian ever in space. Mark Garneau, you know him, of course, is a, a longtime a Canadian astronaut, president of the Canadian Space Agency. He resigned that position to serve as a member of parliament as his career in public service continued, of course, rising up the ranks of the uh, Liberal Party, the Liberal government, serving in, in several key cabinet positions, transport, foreign affairs. He's on his way to our home province of Alberta and we're grateful that he's making time to talk to us in just a moment. We'll talk some politics. We'll talk about Canadians in space. There's been kind of a, a, a resurgence. Like there's a there's a, an infusion of new interest, a new generation paying attention to Canadians' participation in international space exploration again. And I'm eager to get into that. Plus, it's Monday, so you know that the uh, titan of talk, as we call him, Emmy Award winning. Uh, longtime talk radio host Charles Adler will join us on the second half of this uh, broadcast. There's a lot to get into. Mike Babcock. I mean, it's not a sports show, but it's remarkable that one of uh, the most well-known, I think you could call him one of the most infamous coaches in National Hockey League history, who was kind of blackballed or blacklisted from the league for a couple of years following his time in Toronto as as rumors were surfacing and then confirmed about his 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 abusive behavior uh, toward his players and 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 just kind of his his questionable MO uh, became public the Toronto Maple Leafs let him go and his big salary they continued to pay it and for a couple of years he was he was out of the the limelight. He was coaching university hockey in Saskatchewan, of all things, to stay in the game until the Columbus Blue Jackets brought him back. Well, Mike Babcock now resigning before he's coached a single game for the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's a, it's a remarkable story. We'll get into that with Chuck. Plus, we'll talk about the top stories in Canadian and U.S. politics. We'll be keeping an eye on our live chat on YouTube on what you have to say. And, of course, you can always hit us up with our hashtag RealTalkRJ. Before we officially get rolling, though, I wanted to let you know that this episode is happening with support from our friends at Rello. Have you been dreaming of a career change? about starting something new what about being your own boss running a thriving business leaving cubicle life behind how good does that sound if you want all that plus unlimited earning potential a career in real estate could be your perfect match well you can get started today by enrolling with rello rello is alberta's top 
Real Estate School, and they're here to support you every single step of the way from studying for your exam to getting your license and beyond that. Plus, with Rello, you can study 100% online on your own schedule. The benefits of that, obvious. Right now, there's a great opportunity for Real Talk listeners and viewers. You can save 20% off any Rello course with the code REALTALK, all one word. You want to get started today? It's R-E-L-O dot C-A. That's Rello dot C-A with the promo code REALTALK. Our first guest this morning is easily one of the most recognizable names, not just when you're talking about the history of Canadians in space, but in Canadian politics as well. He's, he's a retired federal cabinet minister, having served in the portfolios, the Minister of Transport, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, this after a long and distinguished career with the Canadian Armed Forces and, of course, the Canadian Space Agency. And it's a real pleasure to welcome to the program the Honorable Mark Garneau. Thank you so much for making time for us this morning. It's nice to see you. It's a pleasure to be with you, Ryan. Yeah, well, the first Canadian in space. I can't wait to talk to you about that. And I know that a lot of people are excited uh, to hear what you have to say. You're going to be speaking to students and to visitors out at the Jasper Dark Sky Festival. But but I wanted to ask you about politics first. Everybody's paying attention to Ottawa right now, in particular uh, with what's being known uh, colloquially as Canada's housing crisis. People are talking about it like it's a brand name because everybody can relate to this affordability crisis. I would imagine you're paying close attention to what's going on right now with that. Well, I am. In fact, uh, even though I'm retired from politics now, I still pay attention to what's going on. And there's no question that Canadians are facing some serious challenges at the moment with affordability, whether it's the cost of housing or the availability of housing. They've got uh, high mor- higher mortgage rates. They're paying more for their rent or whether it's uh, the affordability for things like groceries. Uh, there's no question there are challenges uh, at the moment, and uh, and we need to address that. The government needs to address those. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, there's a fair criticism that uh, that it took a while for them to, to react. But I think that last week at the, uh, at the National Caucus retreat, uh, I think that there was an admission uh, on the part of government that Canadians are, um, are at the moment uh, – suffering and that something needs to be done about it and some measures were announced now the question is uh, will those measures uh, make a difference we'll see it's not like you've been gone from politics for long i mean you resigned your seat in march of this year the by-election to to replace you as mp happened just this summer in june how long was this being talked about around the cabinet table like was, was this on the federal government's radar for years or for months i mean would you describe the federal government as being caught on its heels a little bit with this uh certainly on the housing side there was a recognition quite some time ago that uh, availability of housing uh, was a problem uh, and that measures need to be taken to improve the situation The reality of the situation is that it's an issue that's not just federal. It's also provincial and it's also municipal. When I talk about municipal, things like zoning places to allow higher density, that makes a difference, those kinds of things. But all three levels of government are in it. And it's been an issue that's been really talked about and 
um, on the radar, if I can put it that way, for a number of years now. With respect to other things like price of groceries and inflation in general, that's something that is being experienced all over the world. Some of it comes from the pandemic, uh, the, the aftermath of the pandemic, supply chains, those kinds of things. And at the moment, the Bank of Canada is trying to wrestle that inflation down. Of course, you can't do that without some pain. And so at the moment, Canadians are feeling some of that pain, but hopefully in the long run, it will bring the cost of living down. And the government, as I said, they've, they've announced two new measures. One is to remove the GST from new rental construction, which I think is being viewed positively because it makes it cheaper for them to build. And the second thing is that, uh, well, they're going to they're going to bring all the owners of the big grocery chains uh, into Ottawa and uh, and have a have a talk with them. We'll see whether that uh, yields any results. Yeah. And, and that, that's always an interesting conversation, isn't it? Like, you know, that when when the federal government or any level of government s- starts getting involved in business and talking about things like price caps or trying to cap inflation or cap the price or the cost of certain goods. Um, I'll note that uh, John Ibbotson, the, the Globe and Mail columnist this morning, uh, has a new piece. There's only so much Ottawa can do about Canada's housing crisis, he argues, in the Globe. We had a really interesting Real Talk roundtable just on Friday with uh, the former chief planner of the city of Toronto, Jennifer Keysmat. We, we also had uh, Canada's federal housing advocate, Marie-Jose Houle, joined us. She's the first ever in that position, as you know. And then uh, former Calgary City Councilor Jeremy Farkas joining us as well. Uh, Jennifer Keysmat making an interesting point, and this is always a fine line. Maybe, maybe you encountered this in, in your role uh, you know, heading up Canada's transportation ministry. She says government's got to lead the way uh, and, and they've also got to get out of the way. She talked about how the how the landscape has to be favorable or at least has to make fiscal sense for developers who are the ones who are going to build Canada's housing supply. That's always a fine line, right? Like where and when should government get involved and when should government get the hell out of the way? No, absolutely. You're 100% right, whether it's uh, housing, whether it's any number of other areas. Uh, we have to give the private sector, if you, if you want to call it that, the ability to move forward with things. And sometimes that means that the government has to simplify regulations, get obstacles out of the way. Uh, some people talk about gatekeeping, that kind of thing. And at other times, well, when the population is feeling the pain and they're saying, help us, help us, help us, uh, the government naturally has a tendency to want to get involved. So how you walk that fine line is really one of the biggest challenges that any government faces at all three levels of government. The affordability crisis and inflation, you know, whether it's Justin Trudeau's fault or not, uh, I, I think it's safe to suggest that to a certain degree he's paying the price in the polls and his biggest or his most formidable opponent in Ottawa, Pierre Poliev, is capitalizing on it for sure, uh, zeroing in his focus in particular on on housing affordability, but other things you've mentioned as well as uh, like groceries. What are you most noticing here? What, what, what's jumping out at you as a veteran a, a political observer and someone who's been a player in that game? Uh, what do you make of of polling numbers right now, and in particular, the conservative surge? Well, there's no doubt about it. When uh, Canadians are feeling the pain, they have a reason to be unhappy, and that can reflect in the polls. At the same time, when you're in opposition, uh, you have the opportunity to point that out to Canadians that, look, uh, things are not going very well, and it's the fault of the government, which is what Pierre Poilievre is doing with the Conservative Party. 
Um, I would say one thing. Um, that's fair enough. That's part of politics. But at some point, people should say, okay, Mr. Poiliev, what will be your solutions to these problems? It's fair enough to point them out, but you have to also provide your view of how things should be done. Hmm. We were talking to, uh, you know, uh, David Hurley. I'm sure you're familiar with him, uh, host of the Hurley Burley podcast, longtime, uh, you know, liberal organizer and campaign strategist. Um, We talked to him about uh, Trudeau's political future and whether or not he'll lead the liberals into the next federal election. And, you know, whether how how much time in my question, you know, how much time do does the party brass give the prime minister to, to to pull the nose up on this plane and, and Hurley interrupts me and says, make no mistake. This decision comes down to one person, one person only. And that's Justin Trudeau. Nobody else is going to dictate or determine his political future. You worked with him for a long time. What do you know about the prime minister and, and, and what do you suspect his political future will look like? Will he lead the liberals to the next election? Well, knowing uh, Justin Trudeau and we were elected at the same time, uh, he is a fighter. Uh, He's not a quitter, and he has made it very clear that he intends to uh, present himself uh, uh, in the next election, whenever that occurs, uh, possibly as late as October 2025. So it's in his nature to to rise to that kind of a challenge. Now, having said that, uh, we'll have to see how things go in the next few months. I think that the measures that have been announced, and there could be some more, I guess, we'll see. I think Canadians will have to have a sense of whether uh, things are improving, whether inflation is being tamed, whether prices are being brought down, whether more housing is being built. And I think that judgment will uh, also be made by Canadians and could influence the way he looks at things. So I think he's obviously in a fighting mood and wants to stay on. uh, But at the same time, uh, he also has to, I think, show that there is uh, some improvement that's going to occur. And I would say, as many people have said, that uh, the next sort of five, six month window is is where Canadians will be uh, particularly watchful to see if change is, is happening. You were like the face of the Canadian space program for the better part of 20 years. I'll let you know, by the way, Robert Thirsk's uh, sister was my grade four teacher. And so we, 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 we paid closer attention than most young kids to the, to the space program. And we had like the, the patch from the uniforms and everything that he gave us and just so generous with his time. But, but I remember even him talking about you and you, the first Canadian in space. And you've had this incredible career. Uh, how, how much convincing did it take back in 2005, 2006, when you made the move to leave the Canadian Space Agency, you were president at that time. Was that a difficult call to make the move into politics, or were you ready for a change? No, it was a difficult call uh, because I loved the job that I was doing there, and uh, would have been very happy uh, if if politics had not uh, sort of uh, captured me. I would have been very happy to potentially have another term. There are five year terms when I was uh, appointed as president. Uh, however. The thing that made me want to go into politics is that in the end, it's politicians who make decisions. Um, As president of the Canadian Space Agency, I could make all sorts of recommendations to the government, uh, but they ultimately made those decisions and I had to execute. But um, the possibility of having some influence 
on decision making is really what attracted me into it. And I felt that, you know, uh, even though I was late to get into politics, I felt that I would have a chance to perhaps influence things if I could get successfully elected. Now, the first time I lost and when I was elected, I spent seven years in opposition. So I did my time before mm -hmm. actually having an opportunity to be on the around the table that made decisions. Yeah, you sure did. Well, I love, you know, most people will hear this on the podcast. So for their benefit, I'll let them know that the minute that we even briefly touch on our mentioned space, your face just kind of lights up. And I think that's probably part of the reason why everybody in, in our neck of the woods is so excited for your upcoming visit uh, to Jasper National Park. You're going to be uh, speaking to a few different groups as part of the Jasper Dark Sky Festival. And people can check that out at jasperdarksky.travel. I understand you'll be you're speaking with some students. You'll be talking to some, some space enthusiasts. Can you talk to us? Uh, I've got some questions about present day uh, Canadians and, and there's obviously a renewed enthusiasm. We know that there there will be a Canadian in space on a, on a big high profile upcoming mission. But back back in the late 1970s, early 1980s, before you were the first Canadian into space uh, on Challenger 1984, how did you get started? What was it like for you, like as a little kid? Were you always stargazing? Well, I have to admit that I wasn't. Um, people are always a bit surprised to hear that. I was actually somebody who was in love with the idea of becoming a sailor, wow. uh, which is what I did. I became uh, uh, a naval officer, and I was uh, actually enjoying my career in the Navy. But when I saw that ad in the paper in uh, 1983 saying that Canada is looking for astronauts. It just grabbed me. And I thought, my goodness, wow, to have a chance to be a pioneer on the on the on the frontier of space. That's something that uh, I, I just couldn't resist. And, and although I gave myself very little chance of being chosen, I thought there's lots of more qualified people. I thought if I don't do it, I'm, I'm going to miss an opportunity and I'll regret it. And so I applied and uh, Lo and behold, six months later, I was uh, fortunate enough to be chosen as one of six Canadians, including with Robert Thurska, who has uh, been my friend since then, and but almost 40 years ago. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, what do you remember most? We've, we've got uh, four Canadians now, uh, Joshua Kutrick, Jeremy Hansen, Jennifer Sidney Gibbons, and David St. Jacques, who are, I, I suppose, kind of leading the charge present day. Uh, for Canadians, you know, into space, including the Artemis II mission that, that's coming up and, and the like. Uh, what are they experiencing based on on your memory? I mean, you're, you, let's say you're strapped into Challenger. It was 1984, right, when you were the first first Canadian into space. Can can you even put it into words for the rest of us plebs, us, us ordinary folks that will never experience something like that? Well, it is an incredible uh, experience to go into space uh, on board uh, um, any kind of rocket. Uh, in, if you look at our four current astronauts, who are all incredible people. Uh, David Saint-Jacques, one of them, has actually gone to space. And he, in fact, he spent almost six months on the International Space Station. He, he has experience. Now, the next one to fly, and by the way, Jeremy and, uh, I, I beg your pardon, Josh and, and Jenny, uh, who are two of the astronauts, are just incredible people, and their turn will come. But the focus next year is going to be on Jeremy Hansen, uh, because he's going to take it to the next level. All of the Canadian astronauts uh, who have gone to space have orbited the Earth. And in some cases, they've gone to the space station and, and spent, uh, there are three Canadians who've spent uh, six months on the space station. But Jeremy is going to do something that... Uh, only Americans have done in the past, and that is to go as far away 
as the moon. In his particular case, he will fly at the moment is scheduled for November 2024 on a very big rocket called Artemis. And Artemis will go to the moon. It won't land on the moon. This is the Artemis II mission. It will orbit the moon with a crew of four on board. And lo and behold, one of them is a Canadian. We will be the second country to have sent somebody as far away as the moon. And part of the reason for that is because we are invested in the Artemis missions. We're going to build some of the robotics for the Lunar Gateway, which is a, a mini space station that will orbit the moon and, and will be built with Canadian robotics. And so we have a an active role in this. And uh, Jeremy is going to be the flag bearer next year for us. And for me, who, you know, I'm not minimizing going into space and orbiting the Earth. It's It's a really big deal. But to go to the moon and around it and then come back as a precursor mission to Artemis 3, which will actually put people on the moon. I think this is extraordinary and exciting times ahead. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's unbelievable how sort of the public profile of I mean, astronaut is 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 easily, you know, people sort of say like astronaut neurosurgeon. We try to come up with these 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 top shelf a list professions that most people just can't relate relate to. I might, I might add Olympic downhill ski racer to that, you know, stuff where people just can't wrap their minds around it. Um, the public profile with stuff like Instagram, uh, you know, I think of Colonel Chris Hadfield on the International Space Station. I think he's got two million followers on social media or something like that. I mean, it, it's just exploded and, and it's given the public more access, I think, to space. And, 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 and it certainly plants these seeds of interest with with young people as well. Why do you think it's so important for Canada uh, to be at that table or to, to be on the space station or to be in those rockets? Why, why is it important for Canada to prioritize that? Well, you put your finger on it. Uh, there's a lot of good reasons for Canada to be in space. Some of them are are just utilitarian purposes, such as uh, communication satellites or navigation satellites that allow us to, to figure out where we are anywhere on Earth and, and Earth observation satellites. But there's an important element to into going into space and you put your finger on it. It is, and particularly this is where the, the human space program applies when astronauts go into space, when people like Chris Hadfield, who's a phenomenon in, in himself, because he has, as you say, millions of followers and he's written books and he's so, so uh, um, eloquent when he talks about space. But I have in the past almost 40 years spoken to hundreds, if not, well, close to a thousand schools. And when you talk to young people, you can see their eyes light up like nothing else. And they are, I don't know, they're just captured by the thought. You can see their the wheels turning in their brains. Uh, their imagination, which they still have at that age, is working in overdrive and they're trying to imagine themselves being up there and the excitement of that. And I think that inspirational factor is important and it's important for a, can a country like Canada. So I, I hope that we will continue to be involved, not only in the non human side of things but also on the human side when you're so when you're in jasper i know you're speaking at a couple of schools i think right and, and you'll be participating in, in the dark sky festival in in several different ways uh, how do you prepare for something like that i'm sure obviously you could you could just host a q a and you could keep that going for four hours but do you show up uh to, to a place like jasper national park with one key focused message so i will as you say uh, be speaking not only at the rotary club 
which uh, Jasper Rotor Club are, are those who invited me to, mm. to come and speak during the Dark Sky Festival. They're doing a fundraiser, and I, I believe in, I'm a Rotarian myself. I believe in the organization. I'm delighted to be able to do this. They said, while you're there, could you speak to a couple of schools? So I'll be speaking to uh, an English school, grades 5 to 12, and I'll be speaking to a French school in Jasper. It's called L'Ecole des Rochers, and it's also grade 5 to grade 12. And my message to them is to talk about the extraordinary things that Canada has actually done in space, because I've found out during the past 40 years that Canadians know about certain parts of Canada's involvement in space, but there's a lot of things they don't know about the amazing things that Canada has done in space. That's the first part of my message. And I think I, I, I give a PowerPoint presentation and I give very specific examples of what we have done in space. And people are always surprised to find out just how much we have done. And then the second thing I try to do is to tell them why it's important for us to be in space. You know, it, space is, is complex, it's expensive, it's risky, but it's worth it. And that's a message that I try to carry. Do you, how do you feel about, uh, you know, what do I say? Like the, the, the billionaires in space is the quickest way to get to the point. Uh, the, the Richard Branson's and the Elon Musk's and the Jeff Bezos and the rest. Is this, is this good for space? Is it, is it good for humanity? I have no problem with that. The more people that go into space and can talk about that experience, uh, the better it is. Now, you know, many of those uh, vehicles that go up and come back down, uh, it's a very short few minutes of, of floating uh, on the edge of, in space. You can say in space, but it's a very quick and compressed experience. Some have paid a much bigger price and have actually gone to the International Space Station uh, with the Russians, for example. I think it's good because they then be, are able to relate their experience as non-astronauts. And I think that the public is interested in hearing about that as well. Uh, but, um, you know, all of this commercialization of space overall is a very good thing. People like Elon Musk with his SpaceX, and you're just showing a picture of it, and others. This is good because at, at the beginning of the space age, only governments spent money on space because the private sector didn't want to spend any money. It was too risky. It was uh, They didn't have deep pockets, and uh, and they couldn't see the benefits. Today, with people who are investing commercially in space, uh, I think that's a good thing. It accelerates the, the space program, and that, I think, is a good thing, not only to go out and explore but also to do things that are very important for us here on Earth by putting spacecraft up there that can do some useful things. Man, well, I could listen to you talk about it for hours, and, and I know that you'll have uh, captive audiences and, and certainly a packed house on Thursday, October 12th uh, in Jasper. That's at the Forest Park Hotel. There's still tickets available uh, for an intimate evening with uh, Mark Garneau, presented by the Rotary Club of Jasper. It's part of the festivities of the Jasper Dark Sky Festival, and people can check out jasperdarksky.travel or just the show notes here on this episode for the direct link. Uh, longtime Canadian astronaut, president of the Canadian Space Agency and federal cabinet minister, uh, now retired, the Honorable Mark Garneau. Thanks for your time. It's been great to talk to you. My pleasure, Ryan. Have a good day. Yeah, you as well. One of the coolest things about Mark is even when, you know, the government is, as you know, obviously, you know, when you're a senior cabinet minister and a high profile person, you'll, you'll face a lot of fire. 
and take a lot of flack uh, from critics and political opponents. And it's part of the game. It comes with the territory. Uh, but Mark was always sort of seen as one of the more highly regarded and certainly one of the most highly respected members of parliament and cabinet ministers. And, and I think you can see why in, in the way that he carries himself. Plus, what are you going to really do to rip somebody that was the first Canadian in space? What are you going to do? What are you going to say to Nothing. somebody it's the as, ultimate a, as a politician to somebody that was an astronaut before they went into politics it's the ultimate flex there's nothing you can say to that guy he's done it all i mean once you've been out there and seen it i mean the pictures are amazing too the video is incredible but i mean i can't even comprehend what it would be like to watch the little tiny ball of glass earth yeah. just disappearing in the distance and going Wild. like he's talking about because we all know about going to space and that's what i was talking about too everyone's like oh elon musk he's going to space He's not going to space like these guys did. Going yeah. to the moon, going out there, staying out there for months, it, it's it's incomprehensible to me. That's for sure. And and like he's talking about as well, like you know those that are up on the Canadian or on the uh, rather the International Space Station. Like, can you imagine? There's people up there for like four, five, six months. I can't. I can't at a time. That. Yeah. There's got to be. I would love to do a deep dive on this. We should. We should uh, certainly put in an ask and, and find a way to interview somebody that has had that experience the psychological impact like you're you're up there with a few other people for sure mm -hmm. and 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 there there are communications obviously with the crews on the ground but but just that that sort of isolation kind of being away from everything oh yeah and even can i say like in real life real talk the way that you clean yourself, the way that you, the way that you poop, <laughs> the, the way you the eat. way that you eat, like yeah. everything is different. And I mean, even the training to become an astronaut. Some people don't make it through, right? Because you got to go sure. through those isolation stages. You got to be in zero gravity for an uh, for uh, an amount of time before you go up there. And we were talking about this before when we had uh, what was her name on the show? Sorry, I always forget yeah, her name. Uh, Katie Mack. Uh, just like her talking about like. As a pilot, like an airline pilot, there's so many system checks you have to go yeah. through to fly a plane. It's it's 10, 20 fold when you're in an, uh, a space aircraft. One little thing goes wrong. So the amount of pressure, the amount of stress, yeah. even just taking off and getting up there is just, it's incredible. We didn't ask Mark. I mean, we could have if we had more time, but we didn't, we, we you know, we, we'll note that uh, that Mark Arnault, his, his, his first, when he became the first Canadian into space, it was on board Challenger. And, and most people know ultimately at, at you know, how Challenger's service ended uh, with a, a horrific tragedy, um, you know, out of the Kennedy, at the Kennedy Space Center with everybody on board killed. And, and I can't, you know, when you're strapped onto that, I mean, it's it's how many millions of liters or how many liters of rocket fuel you're, well, basically you're on a strapped you're on a missile basically. you're on a missile <laughs> yeah. you know and you're and you're heading up into uh the great unknown and i just i don't even know how you wrap your mind around it but we're grateful that uh mark ono made time to talk to us about that charles adler coming up in just a second when we're talking about innovation and science and canadians doing great things i want to put the focus on our friends at apex automation for a moment this is the fastest growing automation firm in the country. And right now they're looking for professional engineers. They're growing their team. Folks that may be interested in working in, in uh, the Canadian energy industry, pipelines across Western Canada, natural gas processing facilities in, in uh, Alberta and Saskatchewan, upstream oil extraction in Fort Mac or Bonneville or Lloydminster, uh, chemical manufacturing, Saskatoon, Vancouver, uh, potash mining in Saskatchewan. You get it robotics materials handling systems control i mean this team uh, is unbelievable what they've uh, managed to grow in a short period of time in about a decade 
And right now, they're looking for people that are intent on reaching their career potential. A team that understands putting its people over its profits. I hope that this is speaking directly to at least one of you. You've got your PNG, but you know you need a change. Check out the careers link today at apexautomation.ca. The Alberta Beef Roundup is back. Our friends at Friesen Brothers want to make sure you know about this before it's over because it goes just for two weeks, two weeks every year since 1955. It's an Alberta tradition. This is a great chance for you to fill your freezer. There's one of two options you can choose from. A custom-cut whole hip, about 70 pounds, and then a 50-pound freezer pack as well, featuring the finest Alberta beef cut just the way your family likes it by the skilled butchers at Friesen Brothers. The event, as mentioned, lasts just two weeks, so if you snooze, you will lose. You can learn the details and find this at all 16 Friesen Brothers locations or online at Friesen.com. That's F-R-E-S-O-N.com. Our friends at Complete Care Restoration want you to know, and they want this message to be loud and clear, that when you're at a low point, let's say that you've had a place, whether it's your home or your business, impacted by fire, could be a total loss. Maybe it was a flood, or maybe it's just a renovation project where you discovered something unexpected, like asbestos everywhere. Complete Care Restoration approaches every single project like it's their own home, like it's their own business. That's why their team of certified professionals approaches each project with safety and customer satisfaction in mind. They focus on making each project a fulfilling experience, not just for their customers, but for their team members as well. They believe that work, despite sometimes tough circumstances, post-fire or flood, is an opportunity to enrich people's lives and being a helping hand is their utmost priority. This is a no BS team. We know because we've worked with them ourselves. If this is something where you find yourself navigating a tough circumstance, you're going to want to check out CompleteCareRestoration.ca. And if you're looking to squeeze the most out of fall, and that includes the fall flavor revolution, you're going to want to visit a Dairy Queen in Northwest Edmonton or Sherwood Park ASAP. And that's because they have their fall blizzard menu officially out. You can try them all. I mean, embrace fall with sweet treats like the snickerdoodle cookie dough or the classic pumpkin pie blizzard treat. There's also the caramel fudge cheesecake blizzard choco dipped strawberry and the reese's peanut butter cup pie i can't choose and maybe you don't have to either order one of each and bring them all to work become everybody's best friend with a quick visit to a dairy queen in palisades nemeo newcastle westmount or in sherwood park on baseline road it's our distinct pleasure every show the first of every week Usually it's a Monday, a Tuesday after a long weekend to hang out with Charles Adler, an Emmy Award winning talk host, a recipient of the RTDNA Lifetime Achievement Award. When I say Mark Garneau, what do you think of? I think if I took Mark Garneau to Sherwood Park uh, to the DQ, yeah, I think he'd become my best friend. That's <laughs> what I think of when you mentioned Mark Garneau. Mark Garneau is a person who actually is eminently qualified to be prime minister. Uh, most people don't remember that he actually ran against uh, Trudeau. People ask, uh, did Trudeau run against? He ran against several people, and uh, Mark Garneau was one of the people he ran against. And I think one of the things that was held against Mark Garneau is that he was just a very straightforward guy. There was uh, not much pizzazz, not much uh, charisma. 
uh, you know, an engineer, a tech guy, a serious guy, a science guy. And uh, I think, uh, you know, someday this country may be ready for that. Right now we're into uh, the alternates. Uh, it's the alternates that motivates me to uh, exploit this platform to say hi to Big Pharma. Big Pharma is always getting trashed, but the last number of days I've had, a, you know, some some flu symptoms. And if it weren't for Johnson & Johnson, <laughs> Tylenol, cold and flu. I know, I know it's not made in Turkey. Uh, this is uh, for the Smith government, for Rob Anderson, the Smith government. I'm, I'm sorry that uh, this brand of Tylenol is not, not made in Turkey. It's not up to your UCP standards, but it's been working really good, and I want to give Big Pharma a plug. I'm, uh, uh, my, my wife and I, uh, like, in a fun way, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not dragging stuff from behind closed doors into the public forum here, uh, but my wife grinds my gears often, and, and quite frankly, the technical producer of this show grinds my gears from time to time as well. Uh, it's true, Johnny. You do. Uh, and, and we can tell everybody about this because I don't have a lot of time. And I know I'm going to get emails on this, but I don't have a lot of time for like oil of oregano and echinacea and, and double doses of dandelion leaves or, or whatever anybody else wants. Wheatgrass yeah. shots. Yeah. And- Wheatgrass shots. When I am feeling sick, I want... The high-powered chemical yeah. load, the hard stuff. Uh, I want the hard stuff from whatever the scientists have cooked up to take it, take care of it, Chuck, as soon as possible. You know, it blows my mind, Ryan, that we've got people in our lives uh, who have suffered from the most horrible things. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, heart, uh, lung, brain, cancer, you name it. And the only reason they're alive is because incredible technology, science, chemistry have come together, okay, uh, to deliver these 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 little these little pills, these, these meds, and that's what's keeping them alive. And every doctor with a, a a real medical education, I'm talking about real doctors, not talking about naturopaths, and I'm talking about the real real folks. Every one of them knows how important uh, this stuff is uh, for them to help keep their patients alive. And despite all of that, we're still into all this alternate stuff. To the point where we're also into alternate reality. And it's amazing how many people can campaign on alternate reality, alternate truth, which is just a a fancy schmancy way of saying bullshit. And um, millions of people would would rather trust BS than real science. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The the naysayers hate big pharma until they get cancer. And then it's, you know. Well, but even then, though, like even then, um, and I'm sort of like right now going, "Ah, should I talk about this or not? I won't use any identifying details, but we have one friend of ours who's been uh, fighting cancer for several years Mm -hmm. has, has been quite hesitant to you know, take doctor's advice, basically. And and, uh, we love her dearly and care about her dearly. And um, it's it's been really troubling that she believes that, you know, on Reddit and other Internet forums, she's finding alternative therapy. I mean, it's her life. You know, I would say this to her face, have said to a certain degree, uh, but like she believes basically that she's as smart as the oncologists or that she's going to find alternative solutions. And and to be honest, uh, people can do whatever they like. But it's kind of heartbreaking as an observer, to be honest with you. That's a survival tactic, though. I mean, I know I know people have been through cancer and everyone, you know, sure. When and you're I, facing that door, you'll you'll go down to and, Mexico. And I you'll pay those doctors. You'll do that and, stuff. And, right. And, and I have a friend who ultimately passed. Uh, may he rest in peace. A dear friend, Andrew, who who with his brain cancer, uh, Charles, he, he didn't like, you know, the, the latest scientific advancements and, 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 and they threw everything they could at it and it didn't work. And so then he went down for alternative therapies and I don't blame him one bit and I miss him every single day. But for me, it's when you eschew 
science and say you're not going to you and I didn't know we were going to talk about this today this is us freewheeling it, it doesn't matter doesn't this matter is, at all real talking but I could care less what the so-called agenda is what what the news agenda neither is. of us this care. is this, this stuff this stuff matters this stuff so does please. matter and and yeah. it's when somebody says that they're not even going to give chemo a try or they're not yeah, even going to yeah. listen to the doctor I mean Steve Steve Jobs I mean who benefited more from a business perspective from technology science than Steve Jobs you know mm. Mr. Apple himself and yet when he had cancer. It wasn't about, uh, you know, a, a last resort, uh, doing all that, what Johnny was just uh, talking about, going to Mexico and whatever. That was his first resort. He just did not trust real scientists. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not like when you're living in Silicon Valley, you don't have uh, access to real science and real medical science and Steve Jobs, because this is something that we're just, we don't know enough about the human brain. There's a part of the human brain that is much more attached to belief, okay, and, and, and whether we're talking about religion, whether we're talking about love, whether we're talking about superstition, it, it, it doesn't matter. That part of the human brain that is involved much more in belief, belief meaning, it, you know, absence of evidence, um, that is a very, very powerful thing for people, especially when their emotions are triggering all sorts of reactions because of some bad news they've just received from the doctor. Yeah, and, and and also I'm gonna get a you know I'm gonna get I get an email from someone that'll say uh, you have no idea what it's like to walk a mile in my shoes. You have no and, and that person will be right. And mm-hmm. so I'm the last person that's going to show up and start saying that you know the way that you are managing your cancer care is your you know is my problem. It's not obviously, uh, but you know just as a casual observer, you you take a look at those trends and I mean I don't know maybe maybe COVID maybe the pandemic kind of like stirred this up within us as well because all of us have a friend that thinks they're smarter than all of the virologists right and, and you know, so, I, I, so i have some sympathy you know i'm usually uh, attacked as someone who has, has no empathy for those anti-vaxxers and and i don't have empathy for people who try to prevent other people from getting vaccinated just like i don't have any empathy for whoever is involved in the alberta healthcare system right now uh opposed to reinstituting masking rules in, in many facilities, many hospitals, where clearly we've got outbreaks of COVID. I, I just don't understand what's what's taking time uh, to get that done. It's just unbelievable to me. I'm not blaming Danielle Smith directly. I'm just saying that there's a there's a there, a monkey branch has been thrown into the system because if you if you've got lots of COVID in any facility, especially a hospital or a daycare center, you know, get get the masks out. I, I don't care what the what the what the theories are and what the alternates are. But, you know, it's just, as I say, something that we just don't understand very much about. It's the incredible belief system that people have. And so feelings become more important than facts. And then I guess our job is to respect people's feelings. But our job as human beings is to say, just because somebody is feeling something, and just because they've got a belief system that's highly attached to something, doesn't mean it's true. We uh, had a chance to chat with ER doctor Shazma Mathani uh, just last week. Charles, people can find it in our podcast archives or on YouTube. And uh, she was talking to us, number one, how they're seeing an uptick. Um, you know, they, they call this respiratory virus season. What a world, hey? We, we Amid the affordability and housing crisis, we go from wildfire season to respiratory virus season. It just, it's, it's heavy. Uh, she says they're seeing an uptick in cases at the Stollery Children's Hospital, at the Royal Alexandra, but of course... We talked about this E. coli outbreak down in Calgary, more than 300, like well over 300 kids sick, more than 20 of them hospitalized. Uh, when we talked to the doctor last week, seven of them were on dialysis. This this all they believe investigators do uh 
comes down to one kitchen that was a repeat violator uh, for violating health standards, Alberta health standards, including uh, the way that they treated or stored their meat, the way that they transported food, uh, the fact that there was a cockroach infestation in the kitchen. They were serving at minimum, Charles, 16 daycares that have been affected by this. There's shared ownership between the kitchen and at least 11 of those daycares. I mean, it's a, it's a gut-busting and heartbreaking story thinking about these three, four, five-year-old kids Kids on dialysis right now, potentially looking at lifelong consequences to this. People look to point the finger somewhere. The kitchen is the obvious culprit. Some people are calling out health inspectors. You're paying attention to this story, I know. I'm I'm never going to stop being angry about this. And uh, I I don't care. Uh, You know, I I don't want to hear this nonsense. I don't live in Alberta anymore. Okay. How about my belief system? Okay. Alberta has been my, my good luck charm. The people of Alberta. Uh, are are the people I give the most amount of credit for for the success I've had in my life. They've given me more breaks than any human being deserves. And so, yes, my heart is in Alberta. And I'm never going to stop being angry about the fact, whether it's the kitchen, whether it's the inspection system, whether it's the Alberta healthcare system, whether it's the government. The point is many people were aware that this place had all sorts of problems, the kinds of problems where you don't take a risk, taking a risk meaning keeping it open, giving them another chance and another chance, another chance. A real judge needs to be brought in and a real judge needs to hire real counselors. I'm talking about real lawyers. And I think we need an inquiry. This matters. Yeah, I mean, and and I think, quite frankly, especially when this is a repeat offender, this kitchen and and the, the reports are stomach churning uh, when health inspectors arrived at this kitchen. Uh, they found live adult cockroaches climbing up the side of the fridge. They found those sticky traps, Chuck. One of them, they said there was like 20 cockroaches on the sticky trap. Like, you know that there's a problem, but you're continuing to operate. Number one, I don't know if this is an option, but I say you shut down that business for good. And number two, quite frankly, uh, you talk about the anger that you experienced, and I think a lot of people are feeling right now, let alone the families impacted. I wouldn't rule out a class action lawsuit. I would suggest that these people need to be buried financially. Well, you know, they're giving him uh, each uh, each. Uh $2,000 or something, but taxpayer dollars, not the kitchen taxpayer dollar. But I I hope they understand. And I I hope they're not forced to sign anything because $2,000 is a drop in the ocean of uh, what they uh, need to receive. If, if there's a a legal case there, I'm not a a lawyer, but I, but I, but I, I, you know, I, I I smell, as you say, I smell a a class action here and $2,000 should just be the beginning, but we also don't know how far this goes. The the, the major point I think that all of us uh, need to make is that any aspect of the healthcare system, especially one that is risky for children, you do not take chances and you do not give second and third chances. If a kitchen providing food for multiple daycare centers, meaning possibly hundreds of children, and that's what we're talking about here, hundreds of children, if if that facility isn't absolutely pristine, if you can't eat off the floor, never mind cockroaches and and sticky traps, if you can't eat off the floor of a facility that is designed to feed children, that facility needs to be padlocked.
I'm just looking here right now. This is uh, based on, and I appreciate this from someone in our live chat who deserves the credit here. This is uh, uh, Virtuous Sloth uh, deserves the credit here. I'm not surprised. James H. Brown is like the name. This is not an advertisement, by the way. Uh, James H. Brown is like the name in accident and injury law in Alberta. Look at this. Uh, JamesHBrown.com. Calgary Daycare's E. coli class action. Okay. Uh, If James Brown is on it, you're fucked. Uh, if you run a kitchen, <laughs> quite frankly, that's not a that's not a paid ad. But no, that, that might be. If if any advertiser can get Ryan Jesperson to do an ad for you, say if if this if this plumbing company isn't the one you're employing, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, nothing funny about it. But no, get ready no, to, I'm not. Get ready I'm, to, not yeah. I'm not making. I'm not making fun of the reality here. I'm just talking about, yeah. um, you know, the, the way to the way to pitch something. I think it it gets the the message across. Um, and you know, the other day you had uh, Danielle Smith, uh, and I don't know whether she was having trouble with her prompter or her emotions. Mm. It just did you see that news conference? Yeah, she, she choked. Up. She got all choked up. She she got all choked up. But and 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 pardon me for being a bit anal here. I have never seen because I've I've gotten choked up as you know, and the people want to make fun of me for for crying occasionally when something is is very uh, troubling and, and very important. I to cry me. all like the I, time. People, people made fun of me for for crying when, when the queen died. I mean, I've never heard such nonsense. But what you're you're, ups, you're upset with me because because I I feel a, a certain loyalty to to the queen and especially what the queen's family were doing to keep morale up and in the UK in World War Two. If the if the royal family hadn't kept morale up in World War Two. We'd all be speaking German. Well, I wouldn't be alive. But the mm. point is, those of us who would be would be would be would be under, you know, the the auspices of the of the the, the German tyranny. Here's the here's the uh, the the point that I, I guess needs to be made here, and I think it's an important point. We have got to understand that when a politician or any public figure is is absolutely all choked up and talks about how heartfelt this is and how how it hurts her heart. If you don't see, once again, people are going to say a bit anal here. If you don't see a single tear, there's something there's something wrong with that picture. Did, did that make any sense to you? I've, I've never seen someone all choked up and 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 as as I say, uh, a very powerful story about children being sick and how it hurts their heart. And I, I didn't see a single tear. How do you do that physically? How do you do that? I I, I mean I don't know. I mean for for me it's like you know the emotion here. Have you ever have you ever had a, an emotion about a, a child uh, being on dialysis? Okay, be, because of because of something that should never have happened, or a, a child suffering in any way. Whether it doesn't have to be your own family, it's not the point. H- how do you have that kind of heart pain and, and not have a tear in your eye? I mean, I don't. You know, I, I put it this way: I, right now, it, it's not. It, it's you know, Alberta's premier is being criticized. There's things that are fair criticism and things that are. Unfair and stupid. So, so no, 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 no. I'm not saying it just looked very odd to me. Let me just say that I'm seeing people say, you know, I saw people and and real talkers. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know sort of rip on our own audience here, but some people are saying, you know, Danielle Smith deserves to lose her job over the E. coli stuff. I- I'm not sure it's the premier's fault that 300 kids are sick from E. coli. And, and that's, that's not but what I'm saying. But we can, no. ta- I know, but we can talk about how many health inspectors have been let go or how many health inspectors yeah. are on the job, whether there's sufficient coverage there. We can talk about whether or not the premier addressed it quickly enough. We can talk about whether the, the health minister, Adriana LaGrange, and, and, and the family services minister, Cyril Turton, are approaching this uh, correctly. And then Alberta's chief medical officer of health, Mark Joffe, uh, 
basically, I'll paraphrase him, Adler, uh, in the first few days of this said that like he didn't think that this warranted sort of a five alarm response. And the message that that sent to the I tweeted about it on the weekend, talking about how a doctor needs to have good bedside manner. I thought he he's relatively new on the job. I think that he really dropped the ball there. So Canadians, Albertans in this case, expect to see, like you're saying, uh, humanity in the political and organizational Alberta Health Services response in a situation like this, for sure. Well, when he said that this didn't warrant an emergency response, uh, I mean, that set off a, a five alarm fire in my brain. How could anybody, how could any human, never mind that he's the medical director, how could a human being say that? How, how do you... How do you know, like I'm not talking about think, feel, no. How do you know that several children are in serious conditions, several children are on dialysis, several children will be injured for the rest of their lives? What, what, what part of that doesn't smell like an emergency? Yeah, well, he said that he, you know, I mean, he, he basically, they left this, the health minister and the chief medical officer of health uh, left this to like their comms teams to handle for the first week which is unbelievable. Um, and then his, his, his words, he said he had, he had questioned the urgency. He said, quote, we, uh, you know, when he spoke a week into this crisis, okay, so like Real Talk's been talking about it, everybody's talking about it, uh, he and Minister LaGrange finally show their faces, uh, says, quote, at this point we felt it was prudent for us to appear here and speak to Albertans to answer your questions, but we didn't feel there was urgency to do that up until this point. Yeah. Which is like, well, English, English apparently is not his fourth or fifth language. Apparently it's his mother tongue. So there's no excuse. Yeah, no excuse I mean, at just, all. Sorry, that, that's, that, you know, p- p- people like that, if, if they're, you know, somewhere in the, in the labyrinth of the organization, that's one thing. But you, you can't be a leader. You cannot have moral authority uh, when you're saying that. It's impossible. I mean, it, it, she, he is as he is as credible as the as the cockroach infested kitchen, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine knowing that there are three hundred three hundred children sick with E. coli, Chuck? There's twenty of them in the hospital. You know how this who raised the alarm on this? This was the healthcare professionals. This these were the yeah. doctors and the nurses uh, in in the ER, the ICU at the Alberta Children's Hospital in Calgary that contacted Alberta Health Services that said we have like. 20 cases of E. coli here, so you might want to look into this. So it's healthcare professionals that triggered this alarm here to go on the record in front of a microphone and say, we didn't see the urgency here. We talked about how to lose credibility. You know, credibility takes kind of like a lifetime or a career to establish and a minute to lose. Like, that's the minute. I guess unless David Parker blows the whistle, the, the UCP government doesn't see an emergency. The other yeah. day I saw a tweet from David Parker, who now, he now signs off as the people of Alberta. Yeah, he's threatening to fire all the teachers in Alberta. Yeah, he spe- but apparently he speaks to the people. Of, uh, he he believed, once again, belief system, you know, the cuckoo stuff. Uh, he believes he speaks to the people of Alberta. I mean, <laughs> I just, it, blow, it blows my mind that in a relatively sophisticated, educated society, people can get away with that. And, and hardly anybody questions it. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, he speaks to the people of Alberta. Sure mm. he does. Uh, who, who elected him to... Speak for the people of Alberta. If anybody's wondering what makes that guy tick, uh, the leader of Take Back Alberta, uh, a group that claims to have gotten rid of Jason Kenney, claims to influence uh, Premier Danielle Smith, claims to have 30,000 members, says they're coming for Alberta school boards. It's a good thing uh, that a talk show was able to get him exclusively in 
and and pick his brain for about four minutes. Would that be yours, can, by the way? You know what, Charles, one? it was. And people can find that interview from a few weeks ago in our podcast or YouTube archives. Yeah, Speaking I, of, I, I played Caboose on that show as well. Yeah. I don't mind. Hey, don't but you mind. know what? That was by design. I like, I like a good warm-up act. And David Parker, I may say a lot of things about him that aren't Aren't, aren't aren't terrific, but yeah, he's a hell of a warm up act. Yeah, well, he he doesn't love you, and he didn't love no, your I comments after the interview. But that was not an accident that we had Charles Adler on the show right after David Parker. <laughs> a little uh, bit of balance in my mind. It's one of the uh, best episodes that we've ever done, and yeah. uh, it, it's no, one proud, of our. I was proud to be on the show, and uh, uh, Mr. Parker, it's 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 not personal. I just don't believe in a damn thing you're doing. Yeah. Um, let's talk about polarizing figures. Let's talk about questionable leadership. Uh, he was the uh, highest paid coach. In Columbus Blue Jackets Whoa. history, but he's not even going to coach him for a single game. Mike Babcock, whether he was fired or resigned, uh, people are, are, are squibbling, quabbling about that. Uh, but this guy uh, will not earn his $8 million over the next two years. Um, after the Spit and Chicklets podcast blew the doors off a story, uh, the depths of the truth we don't know. Uh, but it sounds like in getting to know the players he was going to coach, this guy is a very polarizing figure. He's, he was the best coach in hockey 10 years ago. He's got an Olympic gold medal. He's got a Stanley Cup. He's got a bunch of, of career accolades, but he's, he's a real jerk. And, um, and, and NHL players like Mike Commodore have, have really dragged him for the last while. The Maple Leafs cut him loose. He sat in exile coaching uh, at university in Saskatchewan for a while until Columbus gave him a shot. Turns out he was, uh, the allegation is, uh, for people that haven't heard the story, wanted to get into his players' phones and getting to know the new Columbus Blue Jackets. These are grown men. These are professional athletes. Wanted to know what makes them tick. Wanted to know what type of people they are. Now, the team's captain, Boone Jenner, says, well, he wanted to see, like, family photos. He wanted to see photos of my kids. He just wanted to get to know me. Others are saying that Babcock confiscated the phones and was looking through them on his own. Uh, he's not going to coach the Columbus Blue Jackets moving forward. What a weird, weird story, starting with the fact they hired him in the first place. Well, Ryan, here, I, I, you know, let, let's stipulate he was definitely top of the hill uh, seven years ago, all, yeah. all the things that you, you, you just mentioned, the Stanley Cup with the uh, Detroit uh, World Championship uh, for Canada, and then uh, at the Maple Leafs uh, organization, like so many other coaches, uh, he fell apart. I mean, that, uh, there's something about the Maple Leafs. I'm not trying to be just nasty because it's I Toronto. It. I'm not trying to be nasty because I grew up uh, hating the Toronto Maple Leafs and all of that. But, uh, you know, that is where a lot of careers go to die. Now, in Columbus, uh, you know, you mentioned that, you know, did he, did he resign, that he quit officially, he resigned. Uh, would you agree, Ryan, that uh, if he's got two years left on a contract paying him $8 million a year? $4 million a year, he, yeah. So I'm sorry, $4 million a year uh, for the next two years. Uh, that's what he was supposed to be doing. Uh, so here's here's my question to you. If he agreed to resign, nobody resigns. He agreed to resign. Yeah. If he agreed to resign, is he getting an $8 million payout? I mean, you have to. You, I mean, I, I don't whether no, he struck not. a deal or not. He, he's, he's, I looked into it, but he, there's no way he's getting zero. Uh, he forfeits the rest. Uh, I believe. I believe he gets uh, the season. Maybe okay. He gets a percentage, but he forfeits the rest if if he resigns. Okay. Yeah. Keep in mind so. the Maple Leafs were paying him for the. I think he was making five or six a year, something like that, for the Leafs, and he was paid while he was gone there. I mean, he's like, it's, I, but it's not about the money. I, look, I'm, I'm just. I, I'm not saying it's about the money. I'm, I'm just. I just want people to know that there are people in the business, Babcock among them. Uh, who has made a fortune on getting fired. And uh, I, uh, Johnny, if you tell me that uh, uh, he's uh, going to get the entire season th this season, uh, $4 million, and, and that's it. I, I'm not exactly. 
exactly sure. I know he's getting some money, but that was the same thing I thought is this guy still gets his eight million, right? And I saw at the bottom of an of an article saying he forfeits a remainder of his okay. contract, which could be after this season, whatever percentage. But what a weird okay. hiring Chuck in the first place. Like uh, Jarmo Kekalainen and John Davidson, like the leadership group in Columbus, you know, GM and president of hockey ops and all that. I mean, tip, tip, pretty well respected guys in hockey. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're trying to build this thing. They've got the, the high-profile you know, free agent. You know, they got Johnny Goudreau to come there, and they've got some star players. Patrick Laine's there and all this kind of, you know, they've Adam Fantilli, this great young prospect. And then, and then you bring in this coach that's just, he's known for being a prick. Like, he's known yeah. for, like, <laughs> nobody a, wants to play for him. prick there who used to coach the Rangers. Wasn't, wasn't he their previous coach? John Tortorella, yeah. 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 Yeah, so, I mean, that the ownership, I hate to say it, but. The, and Columbus was a great town. Okay, I'll stipulate that with a great university, Ohio State, which has a fabulous football team and, and all the rest of it. So this isn't about uh, Ohio. Yeah. But my God, the ownership there seems to be attracted to really authoritarian coaches. And what's more authoritarian? Even Torts would not have done this. Demanding that people hand over players hand over their cell phones so we can stare at pictures of the, their 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 girlfriends or their kids or their, their moms or dads. What, what is that? It, you know, one of the what other is that one of the other stories that that should be told. I mean, this is like a key detail of this is yeah. that this story was broken by the Spit and Chicklets podcast by Paul Bissonette, Ryan Whitney, and and Rear Admiral and their team. Their RA like like the, the, it it goes to show well, as well guys. the power that. That podcast has. I mean, these this they 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 brought him down. They killed Bab's career in Columbus. That was straight up. That's the way that it went. Oh, and they well, really. Bab, but it needs to be said, Bab's killed his career. Fair. And he's crazy enough. I mean, here he, he understands a little bit about social media. Cares about social media. Cares about people's iPhones. Okay, wants to, wants to check their iPhones. That's crazy enough. That's something you expect Vladimir Putin to do. Yeah. But beyond all of that, don't you understand that people who have phones access friends of theirs especially friends in the business in this particular case uh you know people are connected with you know at spit and chicklets don't you understand uh mr mr babcock that everyone in the world is going to find out what a perv you are yeah what were you gonna say johnny <laughs> i was just gonna say they've been on babs for years like yeah. the, the podcast spit and chicklets they've hated him since he was with the leaves they they've really been on him yeah. and so this was kind of like uh, for uh what's uh, sorry i'm forgetting his name biz for biz this was like this was like you know this was he took this is cherry picking right he was like yeah. i'm gonna drive this in now i don't even think he thought it would get him fired and no that, i didn't even think in this no no what? nobody's doing that stuff and if i'm over the line on perv i'll apologize for that too yeah i think it's pervy asking people to it hand is. over their personal photos. It, of course it's it beyond is. The beyond. And, and, and people who are on, on, on that side uh, of, you know, it, like people who are who people who are in that kind of twilight zone. I don't think they understand consequences. I, I, I think a guy like that probably has a, a God complex and cannot even imagine being brought down. But what a time we're living in. When's the last time? It's never happened. Look at this presser. The presser has the name spitting chicklets in there. Yeah. Why would you highlight? Because I was wondering if he was getting ready to sue them. That's I why mean, I thought he did it. I mean, take the name Spittin' Chicklets out of this, and it's still the same statement. I don't know why they highlighted the fact, and they basically put the dagger in the hand of the podcast. I've never seen that before ever in sports, when they would uh, point to a podcast as the reason. And yeah. now we know that's the reason. Can you imagine, though, in any workplace, Chuck, like in any workplace, uh, 
an employer saying, I just want to look through your phone. Like, <laughs> no. They, they, you know, they, no. they can try it because uh, they, they can try it if they want to because I'm, I'm positive that any of the several uh, people who are friends of yours, mine, Johnny's, called lawyers, uh, I mean, that's a gold rush. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. If you if you if you if you've got deep pockets, or if you represent an organization with deep pockets, like the like an NHL team, and they they want to go after my phone, they want to go after my family, bring it on. Mm, yeah, unreal. Hey, but before we go, I gotta I gotta ask you about this story in involving uh, Lauren Bobert. Uh, this is this is really wild, right? Like she's uh, certainly one of the higher profile. <laughs> Uh, Republicans, f- fair to say, at least of of one cut from a certain cloth, and and one who raises one who raises hundreds of millions of dollars yep. from Christian conservatives. Okay, religious religious conservatives. She's been their their poster child for the last couple of years. Yeah, so she's uh, she's in a performance in Denver um, with her boyfriend, which I don't think was a public relationship at the time. And and now, I mean, people are sort of gleefully pointing out as well that her boyfriend is, is like a big Democrat and comes from a big, powerful uh, family of Democratic supporters in the state of Colorado. Um, he owns a bar, which I think is great, which hosts like drag brunches and stuff like that. But it's just even even more wild. Well, the, dra- the drag brunch thing is is, is, is funny. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not opposed to drag queens and drag. No, of course not. Show business. But but the thing is that Lauren Bobert for the last couple of years in raising her money from all of these, you know, Christian Republican sources has pointed out how how dangerous drag queens are. Oh, yeah. Drag shows and and the, the drag shows are being, you know, dragged into the minds of our children and it's all about the children. So here she is in public doing So she and her boyfriend are uh, are vape they're in a performance of Beetlejuice uh, yeah. in Denver and they're you don't even have to say allegedly because it's all on video. Uh, yeah. but but they're vaping and they're groping each other and they're just yeah. sort of I mean it's 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 unbelievable uh, here's video of him fondling her breasts while she's, and then she's got her hand on his junk. And yeah, like, it's just yeah. like she's a you. She is like one of the most high profile politicians in the entire United States. Yeah. Uh, ultimately kicked out. She flips off the security. She, you know, and she's issued a statement saying that this has prompted, you know, deep introspection and it's been yeah. embarrassing. But <laughs> sure. you think that there's As a Republican be- friend of mine told me a couple of years ago, I was wondering about her because she was a gun nut and she's had several charges against her in, in, in on, on, on several uh, different issues. She's been she's been trouble. Uh, but as a Republican told me a couple of years ago, uh, watch out for Lauren, Bo- Lauren Boebert, because she is. And this is this was his word. OK, she's a handful. Mm. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> so ultimately, I'm not touching it. Even that I'm not. You don't have to touch let me it. Say, I'm not going there. It's there. I'm not going you there. Don't, you don't have to go there. It's there. Does she uh, does she. Pay, I mean, she, you, you could argue she's paying a political price right now, but the, 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 she didn't win by that much, by the way. She, no, she won by, ha- she by won like 500 by votes. Like she a barely handful. won the last yeah, just election. A small number. Very um, small number of votes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, geez, <laughs> Adler. So, so ultimately, <laughs> like, did, is this the end of her career? Do you think in politics? No, no, no. no. It's in, in, in America, it's never, it's never the end. Why? Because it's a country that lives in fantasy. Uh, that sometimes thrives on, on magical thinking, but most important, they love a comeback. So she'll she'll have a chance now to attach herself to some sort of cause uh, that will ingratiate her once again to probably the same sources of money. Uh, Lauren Boebert is, in the end, a survivor. I'm not trying to sit here pretending that I admire her, but she's a survivor.
Uh, I wanted to ask you about this in closing. Uh, if you're just tuning in uh, on the Mixler live streaming audio app presented by California Closets, obviously we're talking to Charles Adler, um, who's kind of, you know kind of your one of our go-to. We love having you on a Monday, Chuck, uh, because we can kind of take a look at everything that went down over the weekend and, and get your Canadian common sense on it. Uh, the former president of the United States wants the job again. Donald Trump, obviously on NBC's Meet the Press, skillful yeah. interviewer, puts him in a position where he's claimed his lawyers basically screwed up the whole thing on January 6th. He was told that the election was stolen. He had no idea until this little gem. So you called some of your outside lawyers. You said they had crazy theories. Why were you listening to them? Were you listening to them because they were telling you what you wanted to hear? You know who I listened to myself? I saw what happened. I watched that election and I thought the election was over at 10 o'clock in the evening. How bad is that for Trump and his, his pending well, I, criminal you know, cases? Welker does her research. People want to attack uh, Kristen Welker. Uh, they're, they're crazy. Uh, go ahead and try to attack her. Uh, and part of her research is asking uh, questions of criminal lawyers, people who understand criminal law, some of whom, of course, work for, for MSNBC, some of whom have uh, pleaded cases at the Supreme Court level, people like Neil Kachal. So uh, she asked the kind of question that uh, is a thread that Jack Smith, the special prosecutor, can use um, to pull the suit right off of uh, Donald Trump. Because mm -hmm. the case he's making on January 6th, at, le at least the, the case that his attorneys are making, is that he wasn't engineering the events of January 6th. And the uh, idea that the election was rigged, uh, you know, in, in the weeks prior to January 6th, all of that was coming from lawyers that Donald Trump was taking advice from. And here Donald Trump is saying, no, it's, it's not about it's not about lawyers. It's me. Pick me. I'm the guy. I lit the match. And so Welker asked a, 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 the, the perfect question to trap someone with an ego the size of Mount Rushmore. Yeah, no kidding. Well said. It's great to see you. Uh, people need to, if they don't already, follow you on Twitter, on X, at Charles Adler. They need to subscribe to the Charles Adler Show wherever they get their podcasts. And uh, hey, very quickly, I want to pump the tires on this. Three minutes that matter. Put this on people's radar. Well, three minutes that matter, you know, over, over the years, uh, when I wasn't uh, doing uh, talk radio, I was uh, known for uh, doing newscasts, but newscasts that had some uh, some attitude. Yes, newscasts that had an opinion. And uh, fortunately, whatever gifts I have, I was able to put things in very, very cogent terms in the business I'm in right now, doing what I'm doing right now with, with Ryan. Of course, I'm, I'm paid to, to say things that last more than 10 seconds or 20 seconds, and sometimes the answers almost are, are three minutes long. But I managed to pile a whole bunch of stuff into three minutes, three minutes that matter, meaning news that actually matters for people, some of which doesn't get into the mainstream news. I love doing it. I do about uh, three or four of those those hits a week. And if you subscribe, if you follow the, the Charles Adler Show podcast, that's the Charles Adler Show, the podcast on any, any of your favorite podcast platforms, Apple, Google, doesn't matter to me, Spotify. Um, we'll see you there with three minutes that matter. You got it, Chuck. We'll talk to you again next week, pal. Always a pleasure working with someone who apparently, and I've, I've seen a document of this, apparently Ryan Jesperson outworks 18 Belgian draft horses. Oh, thank you. Officially. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you. Very, yeah. Yeah. All right, buddy. <laughs> Thanks very much, Chuck. That's Charles Adler here only on Real Talk uh, on Mondays. Um, this is a fair comment here uh, on, in our chat. Jules says, can somebody please let Charles know that there's two sides to every story? I haven't heard Babs yet. I haven't heard from Mike Babcock yet. It's true. Um, well, we have, though. I, I kind of, yeah, like he put out a statement with the team, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
And he literally... Yeah, he didn't write that statement. Well, it literally says right there, I think his name is in it. I well, think yeah, but dude, nobody writes their own statements. So, uh, so there. Lawyers there, drafted that, it. Th- this is literally a yeah. quote, it says, from Mike and the captain. So I guess yeah. you're not going to hear him say more than that. No. So if you're wanting to hear a side of the story, there it is in in writing. But right? put because it this way, like if 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 this is just what the team captain Boone Jenner says it is, which is him looking at a few photos of our family because he wanted to get because I'm the captain and he wanted to get to know me a little bit better. Then you hear that on spit and chicklets. And number one, you sue them. Uh, if it's incorrect, yeah. you sue them. Yeah. That's and he's the gone now, so we know do. what happened. And, and number two, you blow it off. The organization blows it off, says this is ridiculous, exactly. and you move forward. But if there is, you know, when they say where there's smoke, there's fire. If there is even something, like, for example, it doesn't have to be that Mike Babcock was was, was looking at, you know, uh, you know, Patrick Liney's dick pics. <laughs> like, it doesn't have to be that. Jeez. It doesn't have to be that, you know, he, he, he was looking at their, you know, their, their starting goaltender's yeah. girlfriend's nudes. It doesn't have to be that. Yeah. But even if it alienated half the team. Yeah. Even if the team's young players went, we already don't like this guy, then that's enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if all it took was that, I mean, if this guy didn't even make it to training camp, they're not even at training yeah. camp yet and he's already gone, then you have to question the wisdom of two typically pretty smart guys in hockey. Yeah. Uh, Kekalainen and, and John Davidson, who hired him in the first place. Yeah. What a bizarre hiring. And common sense tells us if it wasn't true, they wouldn't have addressed it. They wouldn't have put out a statement. They wouldn't have addressed the podcast. The fact that they called out the podcast and went after everything, it's kind of like kind of like caught red-handed, yeah. right? And then he's gone before the first game. I mean, yeah. that's not from asking someone to look at family photos. Lauren says, uh, my phone would be very boring. Uh, that's good, Lauren. And, uh, well, I don't know if it's good. If it's good for you, that's good. And uh, Kimberly says he was probably checking texts for anything talking about him. Which is also possible, 100%. right? 100%. You know, um, Ken says sometimes dinosaurs can't evolve. Imagine blowing your second chance before training camp. Yeah, it's true. So um, let us know what you think about that. It's, it, it is a remarkable story. Like, I just, uh, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people were surprised when he got hired in the first place. People sort of thought that Mike Babcock would, would be gone for good. Uh, but but sports, the sports world has kind of a weird way of, of, of bringing guys back. I've often joked about the CFL, how it's just like, the same 10 coaches all the time, just changing teams and the personnel doesn't move far around the CFL. Uh, you look in the NHL as well, you know, Joel Quenville, right? Like he was, you know, fired in Florida because of what happened in Chicago, right? With the Kyle Beach situation and, and, and that whole scandal. Um, and, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can Google it. But, uh, you know, Quenville will be back. Uh, in, and and I, I would bet money on the fact that most people uh, with, with the benefit of time, uh, have an opportunity to, I think, come back if they have the the skill and 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 the, the prowess in a career context to come back and 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 try to you know be what they can be again, having learned a lesson, having grown as professionals and and individuals, but not always. Did he learn a lesson though? Who <laughs> Quenville or Babcock? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, either did, of them. But look at look either at, of you them. know we talk we talk a lot about they're millionaires. You know, we talked about Kevin Spacey when he mm-hmm. was when he was found not guilty by that jury in the UK. Mm-hmm. Like, will Kevin Spacey be back? Mel Gibson was back. People come back. What about all the news surrounding Russell Brand right now? Yeah. I mean, this is you know this is uh, horrific detail. 
emails that have surfaced uh, after months and months, you could argue years of reporting uh, from a number of different outlets that the popular comedian and, and radio and TV personality is is being accused of rape and, and sexual violence and, mm-hmm. and, and and quite frankly, having a, a relationship, a sexual relationship with a minor. And I mean, it's, it's horrific. Yeah. But you look at the, the way that the general public is like, is everybody going to throw out their Russell Brand? fandom when they hear about this some people will some people haven't listened to michael jackson since those documentaries come out some people don't listen to chris brown yeah but there's a lot of people that will still stomach russell brand because they think he's funny sure and a lot of people think it's it's a witch hunt right but it's it's funny because like you just mentioned quinnell does anyone even talk about quinnell anymore no but the team stained forever because of him quinville like when you think about the blackhawks now all you think about is obviously all the horrible things that happen, and nobody thinks about Quinnell. Well, he's often as he's retired, he's got his millions, he's fine. Yeah, well, I think Quinville will be back. And, and, and the good, I mean, for the Chicago, if you're a Blackhawks fan, the good they've got Connor Bedard, the new the new Connor McDavid, mm-hmm. Connor Bedard. Now the the, the new phenom. We'll see. That's who's a set, lot who's set, of pressure. It is a lot of pressure, but he's torched scoring records in the WHL. Yeah. And I mean, anyway, we'll see. But but a lot of people were, I think, you know, if if you're a Blackhawks fan, you're thrilled, yeah. and if you were hoping that the Blackhawks would languish uh, for a while yeah. uh, I don't think that's going to happen could as be, they rebuild around this kid could be another Lafreniere uh, yeah you're right <laughs> this is becoming a hockey show um, we're, you know we, we also were talking to uh, Charles is talking about the the, the the wheels of justice and prosecutors and that uh, do you subscribe to our weekly email uh, it's waiting for you in your inbox on Monday mornings and, and Johnny you can show my screen here um, typically we have a, a, a an agreement Johnny doesn't show my screen yeah, when, I, I was when, wondering, I, when yeah. I'm in my inbox but, but that's okay you can show people that I have 9,805 unread messages in my inbox, but uh, I do my best. I, I know, <laughs> it's a whole I know, ball of anxiety. I would not know how to No, I, I also feel the anxiety, but we do our best. We talked uh, about this And before. shout out to our general manager, Katie Cook-Chevers, who, who, who does the heaviest lifting in my email inbox for me. But I wanted to let you know, in this week's uh, Real Talk email, which is obviously free to subscribe to, you just go to ryanjesperson.com, go to the bottom of the page, and, and you'll get an email from us every week. Uh, some of the highlights from the week before, some of the cool stuff we're doing behind the scenes and then what's coming up on the show and you uh, already know if you subscribe to our email that coming up on this friday our real talk roundtable uh, we know and you know that violent crime is out of control in canada and we're grateful that typically these two uh, represent opponents in the courtroom right when you talk about criminal defense lawyers and crown prosecutors they don't typically work together they're not on the same team in the courthouse, but I'm grateful that this Friday, only on Real Talk, uh, Dallas Sopko is the president of the Alberta Crown Attorneys Association, and Paul Morrow is president of the Criminal Trial Lawyers Association, and the two of them are going to join us uh, for a conversation. They're going to put their heads together and come up. We'll talk about bail reform. Uh, We're going to talk about policing. We're going to talk about sentencing. We're going to talk about victim impact statements. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of things, uh, and you won't want to miss that. That's coming up this Friday, uh, the next Real Talk Roundtable. If you missed last Friday's just a few days ago, make sure you check it out. We tackle Canada's affordable housing crisis. Affordability is front and center in a new campaign that's uh, put out uh, for the public by the Civic Service Union 52. That's CSU 52. And you can find the details on that at edmontonforeveryone.ca. Quite frankly, they're asking you to show your support for a fair bargaining agreement. They want an Edmonton for everyone, including the thousands of employees of CSU 
52. For the last five years, wages for almost 85% of them, 83% of their union members have experienced frozen wages for the last five years. Now, you know what's happening with inflation. We talked about it with Mark Arnault today. Uh, Obviously, we've talked about it a lot on the show. That means that they've taken a pay cut over the last five years. These are community members, neighbors. They've got families. These are the ones that are keeping communities going, and they believe that they deserve a cost-of-living increase. If you'd like to help join their fight, send a letter of support uh, to help bolster their campaign, you can find the details at edmontonforeveryone.ca. Our friends at Local Environmental Services know that businesses are also experiencing a cash crunch, and and for a lot of businesses, that means reevaluating all their contracts, uh, taking a look at at where they can save even a few dollars. If you're looking for a substantial improvement in your bottom line, when it comes to your garbage and recycling contracts, whether you're a ma and pa shop, a retail location, a restaurant, or a shopping mall, a hotel, or even a municipality, Check out localenvironmental.ca. It takes just a couple of seconds to request a quote uh, for service in Alberta or Saskatchewan. And to them, I mean, they believe it's not just the money you're paying, but they also believe that you deserve better service. They believe that you deserve more support for community causes in your area, like Edmonton and Whitecourt and Regina. Shout out to Saskatchewan today. Local is a full-service environmental solutions partner, and you can learn more about what it looks like working with them by checking out localenvironmental.ca. We spent some time welcoming family to our backyard. We've not done the official unveil yet. We know we've been telling you about our reinvention project in partnership with Eden Landscaping. But last night, we invited a couple of cousins over and, and their mom, our Auntie Amber, for a little pizza party. And seeing the wide eyes as they walked into our space just reiterated to us the value of bringing that outdoor space to life. They were marveling at the design efficiencies and how everything flows together. That's the benefit that you get when you've got Mike and his team helping you with the planning process. Take your vision to reality with a custom landscaping project by Eden Landscaping. And you can learn details on that by checking out landscapeedmonton.ca. I did see on the heels of our Mark Garneau interview earlier today, uh, somebody in the chat was was saying we should talk to Colonel Chris Hadfield. Mm-hmm. And uh, we wanted uh, those of you that didn't have a chance to check out our conversation with the the former commander of the International Space Station. Uh, you can find that. Pod in our, chaser. Uh, what's that? Pod chaser. You've yeah. never thrown this up. Hey, man, I like to show up. <laughs> I, I like to show people different ways where they can find the show. So yeah. anywhere, anywhere you get your podcasts uh, as well on YouTube, the episode aired December 20 of 2021 and you can find that where you get your podcast it's on youtube as well december 20th of 2021 we hung out with commander chris hadfield who told us about his new book he's an author of course as well his new book a cold war thriller the apollo murders and uh, that was a really neat uh, episode as well because our, our roundtable that followed the talk with Hadfield was on uh, photo radar, urban design, and road safety. So it was kind of a neat conversation as mm-hmm. well. So that's a good episode to check out. It ages well, we believe, uh, December 20th of 2021. Every Monday, our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy uh, give us an opportunity to focus on a, a basically just a great story, on, on a story of, of somebody uh, or some you know organization, whatever the case is, a story that kind of like reiterates our faith in humanity. You know what I mean? A story about uh, people that are that are doing something to make a difference. Uh, sometimes in a whole community, and, and sometimes just with one other person. It's a tradition that we call positive reflections. 
And uh, this one out of the great state of Kansas, there's a 50th anniversary that's coming up, right? So this Kansas farmer, he decides that he wants to do something really, really special for his wife, for his bride of 50 years. And so he planned ahead of time. This is something that you can't pull off last minute. And he wanted to just give his beautiful bride a perfect gift. And so courtesy of K-A-K-E TV News. Johnny, can we roll this video? This is courtesy of K-A-K-E TV. This is You want Lee. the audio? This is yeah, can we do the audio too? This is this is Lee Wilson. He's the farmer who took 80 acres of his available crops to send a very clear message uh, to the woman who he says he has been thrilled to spend the better part of his time on earth with. This is absolutely amazing. This is great. Sunflowers. As far as the eye can see, one couple's love story leads them to a field of flowers. Lee Wilson decided to farm a different kind of crop than he usually does this season for a very special reason. So we're celebrating our 50th wedding anniversary, August 10th, and uh, you know, what's a guy get his gal on their 50th? And I, I put a lot of thought into it, and and. Uh, she always liked sunflowers and i thought this is the year to plant sunflowers so we planted her 80 acres of sunflowers just how many sunflowers is that exactly there's about 1.2 million flowers in this field that's 15,000 flowers per acre lee planted the field back in may secretly with the help of his son so his wife renee would be surprised well, it made me feel very special and it's it can have been a more perfect anniversary gift than a field of sunflowers. <laughs> have more than a million sunflowers over 80 acres. You know who's pissed off about that one? My wife. And the guy who lives next door. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. What's the best anniversary gift that you've ever heard of, ever given, or ever received? We would love to hear about it. You can submit your positive reflection anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com. It is proudly presented every Monday by our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy. You can get your free solar quote today at kubienergy.ca. Coming up on tomorrow's episode, we're going to be circling back on our coverage of climate change and mental health. At that intersection, there's a group of parents looking out for kids. We're going to take a look at what they're doing and what their message is for the families, maybe like yours, that are experiencing what they call climate anxiety. Coming up on Wednesday, it's Max Fawcett talking about oil prices and politics and more. And then don't forget our Violent Crime and Justice Roundtable coming up on Friday. Thanks for being a supporter of Real Talk. Thanks for liking this episode, for subscribing on YouTube, and most importantly, for telling your friends. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook-Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepherd, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's Editorial Board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. 
For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.